want to welcome you to the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. Because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, we have been set free. Now that doesn't mean we are on some sort of fearful slave day. What it does mean is we have the opportunity to have a relationship with God as sons and daughters. Let's tune in with Pastor John as he explains more. This morning I want to ask you guys to forget what you think you know about God and receive this word. I'm going to set up some foundational truths so we can truly receive the love of the Father today. So I want us all to get to a place where we don't know anything. A lot of you right here is like, well, wait a minute. What you mean forget what I know about God? I know a lot. I've been serving him. I've read about him. I know everything about him that there is to know. I'm just, I'm growing in the things of God. Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 2 says this, and if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing, yet as he ought to know. Biggest problem we have is, I'm going to tell you right now, you don't even have to raise your hand. When somebody tells you something that you already know, the first thing that comes out your mouth is, I know. <laughs> Which means, I'm not listening to you. So, I can't get this word into your heart if you already know. Amen. <laughs> Maybe I should be talking to a bunch of preachers right now, right? funny part about it is, saints, is we are at a point that we've read the Bible and we know. I've tried, church. I know. So you're not even going to hear some of these things. But I declare right now in the name of Jesus that your ears are open to hear this word of God and your hearts will receive it. Praise God. There's a lot of things that we know in life and then we'll get to know. Hay muchas cosas que conoceremos en la vida. But when it comes to knowing God and anything about him, Pero cuando se trata de conocer a Dios y cualquier cosa acerca de Él, necesitamos estar en un lugar donde decimos no sé mucho sobre Él. We need to be in a place where we say, I don't know nothing about God. I don't know anything about God. Just as a quick note, I'm taking this class right now. And I'm, I'm the only pastor in the class. And I'm coming, I'm coming into this class as if I know nothing. There's times I want to say stuff, but I keep my mouth shut because I'm there to learn. Amen. So I'm doing more listening than I'm doing talking. And sometimes our talking don't have to come out our mouth. Because sometimes while somebody's talking, you're looking at them like you're listening but you over here seeing some little dancing man going on. Why they talking? It's like. <laughs> the minute you begin to think about God, you're going down the wrong trail. Because you can't know God with your mind. Porque no puedes conocer a Dios con tu mente. You have to find God on your knees. Tienes que encontrar a Dios de rodillas. E experiencias dolorosa en la vida que te obligan a conocer a Dios. There is a truth that we all hate to admit. If, there had, if it hadn't been for that painful experience in our lives, we wouldn't know God how we know him now. 
There's people, there's some of you guys in here right now that you, you hate some of that stuff you go through, but if you sit back and look at the value of that trial, that, that tribulation, that thing that you went through, it wouldn't have brought you to your knees to get you to know God the way that you know him now. If everything in your life was all cookies and cake, you wouldn't know God the way that you know him now. Come on, somebody. If God landed you and gave you a thousand, I mean a million dollars right now, half of us would be walked out on God. Philippians 3 and 10 says this, Paul said this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. The fellowship of his suffering being made conformed to his death. Fellowship of his suffering. We're at the Building Christian Fellowship. And we're all around here together. We come with family and it's a love time and we're fellowshipping with each other. If I say, hey, let's have fellowship, you're thinking it's going to be a great time, right? That means we're going to be intimate with each other. Paul said that the way that I'm going to know him, the way I'm going to know the power of his resurrection, the way that I'm going to know uh, about God in his resurrection is through the fellowship of his suffering. You want to know God? I hate to tell you this. You're going to know him through suffering. I'm sorry to break your theology and everything that everybody else told you. I hate to be the guy. But I'm here to tell you, if I told you, look, if you work out for three weeks, I need you for two hours, three weeks, okay? Three weeks, just three weeks. You, go, you can't eat this, you can't eat that, just for three weeks. But I can promise you, at the end of these three weeks, you're going to look like this. And I'm going to say, slim in the waist, cute in the face. Slim trim above the rim, right? Three weeks. If you kept that on your mind as you was going through the process, you would do it. But somewhere through the process, we forget the goal. So if we knew, man, so after I go through this breakup, after I go through this job loss, after I go through this chemotherapy, I'm going to know God better? Praise God. We don't do that, though, do we? I remember the day I was diagnosed with my heart condition. I was like, God, why? I serve you. I do this. I do that. I've given everything. Why me? God said that you may know me in this fellowship of suffering. See, I used to curse what I was going through back then. But now I know when I feel my heart skip a beat or I hear the alarm go off in my chest or, or when I, I can't breathe right, I start to think, God, I'm just getting to know you better. See, it helps me get through those anxious times, those depression times and the PTSD times. And, and I say, God, I'm going to get to know you better. I, 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 I could, if you was going to write a story about my life, I want to be next to David. Uh, so if I'm going to be next to David, I got to go through some of the things that David did. And, and David went through a lot of trials and tribulations, a lot of heart, heartache and, and being left alone. So, God, I want to get to know you. So I'm going to go through these trials and tribulations also. I may not ever fight a bear. I may not ever fight a lion or I may never fight Goliath. But I have fought depression. I have fought anxiety. I have fought suicide. I don't think there's anything bigger than that. I'm sorry, a bear, a lion, I'd rather fight a lion. Some of y'all can attest to that. I'd rather fight a pit bull, a bunch of pit bulls, and try to face anxiety and depression. 
At least that way I can get my hands on it. How do you fight something you can't put your hands on? I was a fighter in my lifetime. I fight anybody. I wanted to fight. I'd find the biggest dude in the club. I'm not lying. I'd find the biggest dude in the club. And go down and be, hey, man, let's fight. A nice good fight. I mean, it's, I love fighting. A nice clean fight. And after the end, we'll shake hands and go in there and do whatever. I, I wanted to fight. I always wanted to fight. Didn't mind the fight. Been beat up. I'm not like one of them girls. I ain't never been beat up. I've been beat up. <laughs> Ask my mom. But I could get my hands on that. But there's battles that are bigger than anything physical. How can I fight depression when I can't put my hands on depression? I can't put my hands on anxiety. I can't put my hands on fear. Spiritual things. How do I fight something spiritual? Fear is way too big for me to tackle by myself. Anxiety is way too big for me to tackle by myself. Come on, depression. And sometimes, saints, they try to gang up on you. All three of them come at one time. It's a game fight. Ain't fair. What about the one-on-one? But God said, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. He didn't say I wasn't going to see it. He didn't say that I wasn't going to fight it. He said it just isn't going to prosper. And I got to believe that. I got to go through the fight. I got to go through the process. I got to make sure that I'm still standing up. If I get hit and get knocked down, I got to find some strength somewhere, somehow to get up on my feet and begin to fight again. Or I got to learn some type of spiritual jujitsu and fight on the floor. Some of y'all will get that later. We learn more about God through suffering. It's the suffering that brings us to our knees, our knees in submission and our knees in prayer. Seeking God with your head or your mind leads you down the wrong path of humanistic theology. And listen, humanistic theology is simply this. It's the art of limiting God to what you think. You can't contain God in your thoughts. That's why he said, my ways aren't like your ways. As far as the earth is from the heaven. You you can't contain all of God in what you can think. I don't care how big your head is. Can't do it. And I'm not going to serve something that I can imagine. If I can imagine it, then make it my God, it's no greater than my thought. I'm going to serve something that's beyond my thought, beyond my strength, beyond my capacity. I'm going to serve the one and only true God, the one that created me and formed the heavens and the earth. That's who I'm going to create. I mean, serve. God is God. And if we contain him in our thinking, then he's not God. There is no way in our natural thinking that we can begin to understand God's majesty, his awesomeness, and his omnipotence. It's impossible. Romans 8 and 7 says this, the carnal mind is an enmity against God for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. 
what we know about God is not in your head, it's in your heart. David said this in Psalms 119 and 10. He says, with my whole head I have sought you. Okay, I'm just seeing if you're paying attention. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Jeremiah 29, 13. And you will seek me and find me when you search me with all of your head. Heart. Do you see what I'm trying to tell you here? God is not here. He's here. And some of us have known God for a long time, but we've only known him here and not here. If it's in your head, you'll think about it. If it's in your heart, you'll do it. You know why I say that? Watch this. If you think about it, it's here. You just think about it. Yeah, I should do that. But if something's in your heart, you're going to make sure it's done. That's why, that's why I thought David says this. Your word I shall hide in my heart that I might not sin against you. See, he knows if it's in my heart, I got a better chance of not sinning. Why? I'll tell you about it in a minute. The problem that most of us have is when we come to God, we try to get to know him through education. We learn a lot of stuff, but the problem with learning stuff is we soon forget. Watch this. I'm going to ask you this question. You don't have to answer it. Just think about it, okay? What role did Archduke Franz Ferdinand of Austria play in the start of World War I? That's what I thought. Okay, watch this. Most of us in here right now cannot name the seven continents and where they're located. Okay? I said most of us. All right. So this is what I'm trying to tell you guys. You've learned this in grade school. How come you don't remember it? Head knowledge. And the problem is with learning something with head knowledge is we soon forget. But guess what? Most of y'all remember the first person that broke your heart. Most of you guys remember the first person that violated your life by touching you. Most of us in here will remember rejection from a relationship. Here's the nice thing. Most of us remember the first person we were in love with. Right? We tend to remember experiences more than formal education. That's why doctors and nurses have a time of internship. You guys with me? So what happens is a doctor or a nurse, whatever, before they become fully a doctor or a nurse, they, they learn stuff in the classroom, then they send them to do internships. Why? Because they don't go from learning in the class to going and doing surgery on you. Because they really haven't learned anything. They just have a head knowledge of it. But if they give them the experience, they take them through classes of hands-on practicing. Now when it's their turn to go in and do the work, guess what happens? They'll know it because they've experienced it already. Let me do this in church. So you go to church and you read and you go to Bible study and you get a head knowledge of it. And then you put yourself under certain people and they call it discipleship. So you learn a hands-on experience so that they can turn you loose so you can start doing it yourself. Most of us want to go from here to here. I know. They get to this point, it's like, I know. If any man thinks he knows anything. So what you experience determines how you think. And if your experiences have only been bad, or if your experiences have only been from a human view, or a worldly view, then you're going to think worldly. Amen. Before you were saved, you were worldly. 
So what makes you think that right when you get saved and you step into the word, into the word, into something spiritual, that automatically your mind, your, your, your thinking's changed? That doesn't happen. The same reason why when you got saved and your life was new, your teeth didn't grow back in your head. Some of y'all was hoping, I'm going to give my life to Christ and get, I have to wear these dentures anymore. <laughs> Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Don't mean new teeth. Huh? Uh-huh. Didn't have no, no toenail on one of your toes? Still ain't got one. Still can't wear sandals. So when we come to Christ, we bring this humanistic way of thinking, this worldly thinking to a spiritual world. Then we end up missing God. See, the problem is, is that when we get saved, we're still thinking of like the world. You guys with me? But the Bible is spirit. So we take an, a worldly way into the, of, of thinking into the Bible, and we miss out what God has for us. Watch this. I'm going to give you a worldly thought. You know what? Strike me, hit me, and I hit you back. Amen? Amen. If I walk up to any of you right now and smack you, <laughs> I expect to get hit back. But what does the Bible say? <laughs> Don't make sense, does it? How does it make sense that if I want to have a lot, that I need to give a lot? Don't make sense. Doesn't make sense that the Bible tells me to give 10% of what I have, and I barely have anything, but the Bible tells me to give 10%, and God said he's going to open up the windows of heaven and pour me out a blessing that I don't have room enough to receive. I knew I wouldn't get too many amens on that one. I know that the church is in this orphan spirit because of the percentage of people that tithe. We can't even get that part now, and that's spelled out for us. 10%. Watch this. Just watch. Do you know, let's say, let's say we have 200 people in here right now. Out of 200 people, the church, the average is 10% of the people actually tithe. A lot of people give, and here's the funny thing about it. Because your earthly thinking, what you give, you just want to call tithe. Oh, no, I tithe. And you go, is that 10%? No. Then it ain't a tithe. Oh, it gets quiet during that time. They're talking about money again. <laughs> See, God is a spirit, according to John 4 and 24. And the word that he speaks is spirit. So his word is spirit and it's life, according to John 6, 6, 3. And then in Romans 8, we just read it. The carnal mind is an enmity, an enmity against God. It means your regular thinking goes against God's ways. So my normal thinking goes against what God is saying. So therefore, I can't really receive what God is telling me because my natural thinking doesn't get with the spiritual principles. And so when we come to being a Christian, we don't renew our mind. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that which is that good, the acceptable and the perfect will of God. Romans chapter 12, verse one and two. You guys have to understand these things is that we got to renew our minds so we can understand what God is trying to tell us. If we, oh, some of you people in here that know about adoption know this, that if you have a child, you first bring the child in, they're not used to your environment because of the experiences, my God, 
because of the experiences that they've had previous to coming into your house. They're acting out. They're used to rejection, so they act out. Their perspective is one of rejection, so because they have a, 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 a bad perspective of everything, they see things badly. So they come into this home where people want to love them and then want to cherish on them, and the kids are acting up and acting bad. It's not their fault. It's because of the world that they came from. So it takes a process to help renew these child's mind that in due season, they'll learn to accept the love of the parents that adopted them. This is what's happening in the church of God. We've been adopted into the family of God, but we still have this worldly thinking. But we're not children anymore, so we shouldn't be like babes. We need to understand and learn how to renew our mind by this new father, the one that loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son to us. That whoever should believe in him, watch this, it's not believing in his existence, it's believing in what he says. When you begin to believe in what he says, you shall not perish. You'll have everlasting life. But we're all running around acting like orphans, but we've already been adopted. He signed the papers, sealed it with his blood. Why do you think we have such problems with authority? See, the five, oh, I'm getting off my nose. The, the, the church is a family of families, Right? Church is a family of families, and every family should have a father. So when God created a body, he says, I will give you pastors after my own heart. So God has given you a pastor, and I'm not trying to brag. I'm not trying to say anything. I love God. I, 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 I was close to doing the song. <laughs> Just automatic, random. Anyway, I love the Lord, and I seek after his face daily. I'm not trying to get nothing from you. If I wanted to be rich, I would have stayed at my last job. I'm just telling you this. I do this because I love God, and because I love God, I love his people. Therefore, I'm keeping all the commandments because I love God with all my heart, my mind, my strength. So therefore, I love my brother as I love myself. I love you guys. I don't know half of y'all, but I still love you. That's why I get up and do this all week, 24 hours a day. Because my kids can't play sports. Why? Because I'm here with you guys. My family has to sacrifice, but I do it for the sake of the cross. Because greater is my reward in heaven for my sacrifice. So let me get back on track. You're here. The Father. God has given you a pastor. We have pastors here that that have God's heart. But you know what the problem is? You guys have a hard time submitting to us. Orphans. Because a son will listen to his father. A daughter will listen to his father. There's there's scripture here I want to read. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord? Luke 6 and 46. Why do you call me Lord if you don't do as I tell you? Now watch this, because people think Lord automatically here in America. When we think uh, master, we think of massa. We think of roots. We think of, we think of people, the American slavery. Well, that's not what Hebrew slavery was. There was a custom in the Hebrew, in, in the, um, Hebrew lifestyle, whatever. It is, what they did was is they submit themselves to a master. They call him master because they loved him so much. I love you. I want to serve you. I want to stay here with your house. And the master would take really good care of his servants. See, servants that we know in America isn't like servants that, that the Hebrews took care of. They were like family. 
They were at the house. They did the cooking and cleaning and all that, but they were fed. They were paid. They lacked for nothing. Everything that the master had, they had. And they did it because they loved him. So that's what, now, now mind you, keep that in mind. So Jesus says, why do you call me master? Why do you call me Lord if you don't do as I tell you? What he's saying is, you can't call me Lord if you're not listening to me. Why? Because if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. John 14 and 15. We get, we get this twisted. We think it is, I got to show God I love him by doing the rules. God ain't interested in rules. He's saying, if you love me, don't worry about keeping the commandments because it's going to happen. Oh, I'm about to hurt you guys with this one. You ready? God is not. All right. No, no, no. God doesn't want you to live by obedience. You hear that? Pretty deep, huh? God don't want you to live by obedience, Charles. Mm -mm. I want you guys to understand that. You got it? Nate, God don't want you living by obedience. You guys got that? Does that go against your theology? Obedience is better than sacrifice. Everybody wants an obedient child. I think I'm like a trick question. God doesn't want you to live by obedience. Jesus wants you to love him. Because love always aims to please. See, God brought the law forth and everybody tried to keep the law, but he was saying there's a greater law and that's love. That's why when the guy came to Jesus and said, Jesus, what is the greatest of all the commandments? He said, you will love the Lord thy God with all your heart, your mind, and your strength. And the second is like the first. You will love your neighbor as you love yourself. Basically, what he's saying is, if you just love me, then you can love your neighbor. And if, when you love your neighbor as yourself, you fulfill the law. It has nothing to do with rules. It has everything to do with love. But you can't love on somebody if you've never received love. How do I, I can prove this. You can be obedient and not loved, but you can't be in love and not want to please. I'm in the military. Every time I got an order, I wasn't in love with my first sergeant. I wasn't in love with them guys, but I did what they told me. I was obedient. I wasn't in love with them because I kept rules, and that's the problem with the church. We're looking at keeping rules. Well, I can't smoke. I can't drink. I can't dance. I can't do this. I can't do that. It's not about rules. God says, I just want you to love me. That's why the Bible says herein, we love him because he first loved us. Here goes some marriage counseling for some of you that want to be married and some of you that are already married. Stop waiting for the woman to love you before you submit yourself. If we are the image of Christ in a marriage, then we must love our wives, our potential wives, before they love us. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Dre. That was free counseling right there to some of y'all. You're trying to wonder why girls in your life ain't doing what you want them to do and all that because you ain't submitting to them. I'm going long, but I got to say this. You guys ready for this? Y'all ready for this? Ladies, you, some of y'all ladies, don't write this down so you can tell your husbands later. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5, it says, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. And men love to pull that one out. It's like anytime there's an argument, they're like, ha-ha. Bang! But if you go 
a little bit before that. It says, submit yourselves one to another. We like to forget that. We, we quit one scriptures. You know, boom, submit, submit. The order, the, order, the order of things is this. This is why we wear rings, and people just don't even realize it. The ring represents non-breaking, a, a, a covenant that is non-breaking, a submission that is non-broken. As I submit, as Jesus submitted to his church, he said, I came to not be if you're in a marriage just wanting to be served and have your wife do everything for you, you're not being like Jesus. Jesus said, I came to serve. So if I'm the Christ-like image in my marriage, then guess what? I came to serve my bride, which is the body of Christ. So I come to serve her, and the Bible says, husbands, love your wife as Christ also loves the church. Herein is he gave his life and died for her. So I submit myself to my wife, listen, in serving her, in taking care of her, in meeting all her needs. But then she in turn, because I first loved her, she turns around and submits to me in authority. It's a ring. I pour out so much to her, she pours out so much to me. It's a ring. Marriage boot camp next month on the 15th. Y'all get there. You can sign up right now as I speak. I give you permission. There's only so many spots. 50 spots. So how do we switch our hearts towards God? We must realize who we are. How many people in here believe we're human beings? Okay. How many people are from Mars? Somebody in here from Mars? Different planet? The planet Gorton? I don't know. There's people out there like that now. (laughs) Hey, I don't care where you're from. I said the other week, I don't care if if a spaceship landed and the little green guys got out. I'm going to try to witness to them. Ain't going to change my, my, my mind about Jesus. I was like, hey, God got a plan for everybody. <laughs> Do you know Jesus? Get you saved too. Anyway, we got to realize who we are. We're more than human beings. We have, we have uh, diminished ourselves to this flesh suit. We're calling ourselves what this thing is. That, a human being is the name of your flesh suit. Okay, let me just give you a quick example, then we'll, we'll wrap it up and we'll get out of here. Spacesuit. Looks pretty lifeless, doesn't it? So you got to see a spacesuit. The purpose of a spacesuit is that a person can live outside of its natural atmosphere. You with me? A spacesuit's to live in space. So if I don't have the spacesuit on in space, I can't survive, right? So... When I get in the spacesuit, the spacesuit is subject to what I do with it. So if I want to pop lock for Jesus in my spacesuit, then I could pop lock for Jesus in the spacesuit. It does what I want to do when I move as I'm in space. Amen. Amen. So as I'm out in space, my suit will do what I want it to do. If I abuse the suit, eventually it will wear out very quickly. And then once the suit is all worn out, guess what? I, the one that's in it, has to return back to where I came from. You catching it? I am not the spacesuit. I am the person in the spacesuit. Who I am is inside the spacesuit. Saints of God, you cannot diminish your life to being a spacesuit. You are not a piece of flesh. You are a spirit being that lives in a suit that allows you to live on this earth. And when your suit wears out, even though it may have flaws in it, even though it may not be the suit you wanted, when it wears out, you're going to return back to where you came from, out of the bosom of God. 
but we want to be stuck talking about we a space suit. In a spacesuit, I'm, I'm still limited to the things that I could do. But see, you know, what? God gives us this helper, he's like, look, you can only do so much in your spacesuit, but I'm going to give you an extra power inside of it so that while you're in a spacesuit, you can do a little bit more. I can have you doing things that you wouldn't normally do, supernatural things in this spacesuit. God gave us his spirit inside this flesh so that we don't have to succumb to the things of the flesh. As I close. Saints of God, we were here before this earth was formed. We existed in Christ. Romans eleven thirty six says, For him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. You know what this means? It were, we were in Christ. We were in the Lord Jesus Christ, in God, before the foundations of the earth. We were in him. It's like, if you can imagine, it's like he pulled each one of us out of him. Literally, what he did is he breathed us. He spoke us, which came from his breath. The Bible says his word is spirit and life. Spirit. So when he made somebody, he's like, Kaya, JR, James, spoke us. We came from like he breathed us. We were already in him. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5 says, Before I formed you in, your, your, in the womb, I knew you. So before you actually got into your mother's womb, God knew you. That's because you were with him. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. God knew you before you were born, even before you were in your mother's womb. David gives another account of this, um, of this truth of God. He says this in Psalms 139.16. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. We come from out of God. He knew us before the foundations of this earth. God's plan wasn't to create a universe it was to create a family. The universe was made to house us. So we get all twisted. We, get learned, we learn in school that there was this earth and the universe was made and then all of a sudden some cosmic mistake happened and we were born. We've come from single cell amoebas and all that other good stuff. No. Before the foundations of the earth were made, we were in God and God thought of us and he said, I'm going to give them a place to live. And I'm going to make all these things around me for them and for their good pleasure. I know when Kai and I were on vacation at St. Martin, I'm just going to let you guys know, my wife doesn't like sand. She loathes sand. And I know this was God. God ordained this moment because Kai got out on the sand with me. And we're in this nice little beach. And I don't go out in ocean water. I'm a pool guy. Because there's animals in water. Yeah. So I walk out into the water. Got to be God. Walking out on the water. Walk into the water. And I get to about right here. And the water's really warm. It's very unusual. Very blue. Beautiful. I've never seen such beauty in my life. And there's all kinds of stuff going on. But for some reason, I don't hear any voices. I don't hear the boats zooming by. I just look up. 
and I noticed it's just this nice little cove, and on the left were mountains from out the water, mountains. And mountains on the right, and they were covered with beautiful tropical trees, and, and I'm looking, and then as I looked off into the distance in the horizon, and I see the clouds and just the beauty and splendor, I was overwhelmed and overtaken by the awesomeness of God. I was like, wow, God, you're so awesome. And as I sat there, I was beginning to feel God, and I heard a small voice say, I made this for you. Needless to say, I added about another gallon to the water out there. I just started crying. I just cried because I saw how much God loved me, that before I even got on this earth, he knew that I would be standing at this point. He knew before I was even that age that one day my son's going to be standing here and he's going to meet me in such a way that he's never met me before. He preordained that point and that time that when I got there, I would know him even a little bit better, that I would see his splendor, his awesome, his majesty. He showed that to me, and I can guarantee he's probably done it for some of y'all. There's been a time that you've been walking somewhere. It could be in your backyard. You look down at a caterpillar, and God will open up your eyes to see how, how, how marvelous he is that he would create something, and God will speak to you. But sometimes we don't hear God because the Bible says, my sheep know my voice. And because sometimes, because we've we're still got that orphan spirit, we don't hear God speaking to us in the simple things. Do you know God wants to have a relationship with you? He's not interested in with you following all the rules. He wants you to love him. But the problem is we avoid suffering. We avoid that process. If you look at the cross, there's a whole lot of suffering. That we have to also know suffering. Just like Paul, that I may know him. If you really want to know God, embrace the suffering. Get rid of your earthly thinking and trying to get out of it, trying to skip the process. Even though you don't understand it, you have to get to a point that, God, as I go through these trials, I'm being made more and more like you, more and more into your image. I'm falling more and more in love with you. Listen, I loved my wife when I married her, but I love her a whole lot more now. Watch this. And I didn't fall in love with her through all the good times. It was the suffering in our relationship that I learned to fall in love with her. I broke my wife's heart after four years of marriage. Broke her heart. Walked out on her. I'm done with her. She didn't do nothing wrong. It was just me. I thought she was crazy. But it was me. And I broke her heart. And when I found out that I broke her heart and I heard how bad I broke her heart, it broke my heart. I didn't know what it was like to be a husband. So you guys didn't tie it together. Because as a Christian, I should know what it's like to be a husband. Because he is the husband men. He's the one that's married to the church. And my, my comment that I just made basically says, I don't know how to be a husband, which means I didn't even know how to be a Christian. But it wasn't until I started, until my heart was broken. Now I broke the one that I love, the one that I prayed for. I broke her heart. And as I got broke down, I just so broke. I said, man, God, show me. Show me how to make up. Show me what I need to do. Show me how to be like you in my relationship. And he took me through some suffering. 
Because being repentive means you're going to do what you got to do to make it up. And you'll say, look, I don't care. It's my fault, God. I'm the one. It's my, my fault, Kaya. It was nothing about you. I'll do what I got to do to earn your trust again. I'll do what I got to do to make sure that, that you will, you will be trust me and I'll never do anything like this again. I'll do it. I don't care if it takes three months or three years because I'm the blame. I just gave you a picture of repentance. Instead, after a month, look, I said I'm sorry. I just, I just freed a couple of y'all just now. Saints of God, just real quick, rejection is a lie. I just need to add this, and then we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up. Rejection is a lie. Your friends may reject you and even your parents, but God wants you, and he wants you, and he wants to be in you. God experienced rejection so that we don't have to suffer from it. God experienced rejection. How do I know that? Because a lot of people are like, how does God know? You don't know what I'm going through. He went through everything we all went through. Same thing. Isaiah 53 says this, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. So he was rejected too. If you're in here today and your parents told you it was an accident, maybe your parents left you, didn't want you, and you might be a foster child, you might be a adopted child. Listen, they didn't expect you, but God did. And I'm saying that because I set it up earlier. He knew you before you were even formed in your mother's room. See, it may have been an accident to your parents. They probably didn't expect it, but God was expecting it. And God, because God brought you here, he wants you here. Because God brought you here. You're not a cosmic accident. God brought you here on purpose for a purpose, to serve his purpose. The reason why you're suffering with depression and rejection is because you're an orphan. Not naturally, but spiritually. God wants you to receive his love and be adopted into his family. You look around here. There's many brothers, many sisters here in the house of God. So when depression comes and he brings his friend suicide, you got to look and say, listen, uh-uh. I'm, I'm needed here. Sometimes you got to open up your mouth and say it out loud. I'm needed here. I may not see it now, but my God said that he preordained me, that he sanctified me before the foundations of the earth to be a prophet to the nations. I'm here for a purpose. I may not be living my purpose now, but I'm in the process of my purpose, and I'm going to hang in there that I may be formed, conformed into the image of Christ. You can reject me if you want to, but they rejected Jesus, and look where he's at now. He's seated high. On the right hand of the Father, making intercessions for the saints. So the more you reject me, the more I'm like Christ. Persecute me, talk about me, crucify me. I'm starting to be like Jesus more than I thought. He was the stone which the builders rejected. But you can accept him today. Amen? Stand on your feet. Amen. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time.
Thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.